Hello everyone and welcome back to the Alexia Show, where it is always worth a conversation. <laughs> so some hot topics today, the George Floyd trial ends and the verdict is in. Another police shooting happening in America and LeBron James rushes to judgment, makes a ill-advised tweet and then deletes it. First, let's talk about the Chauvin trial. Uh, David Chauvin was on trial for the murder of George Floyd. Now, George Floyd is not the one on trial because, as you know, George Floyd is actually died. He was murdered last year, May 2020, um, during a police arrest after a store clerk at a store that he had recently shopped at, I guess, alleged he had passed a counterfeit $20 bill in Minneapolis. Uh, Derek Chauvin was one of the four police officers who arrived on the scene. He knelt on Floyd's neck and back for nine minutes and 29 seconds. So the jury itself came in with verdicts of guilty on all three charged. Now, we all know that George Floyd was not a perfect man, but he certainly didn't deserve to die in this way. And this is what this trial is about. Um, So the guilty verdicts, the second degree murder charge said that Chauvin assaulted Floyd with his knee, which unintentionally caused Floyd's death. So he's guilty on that third, that second degree charge. And then Moving on to the third degree murder charge said that Chauvin acted with a depraved mind and the manslaughter charge said his culpable negligence caused Floyd's death. And of course, they had the video evidence, which we all know could not be disputed. Um, It did need to end that way. He could have just let George Floyd flail around on the ground. It could have called maybe a bigger van if he was saying it was too small in the back and he couldn't fit and he couldn't breathe and sadly it ended uh, in a situation which probably could have been prevented obviously prevented from the beginning with George Floyd you know not passing off counterfeit bills to the store clerk calling so I know the store the store clerk he also feels uh, quite guilty and said you know, he should have just accepted it or just to pretty much keep his mouth shut. So unfortunately, this is one of the lessons that I, I do teach my own boy, that one decision can certainly change the trajectory of your life. So be wise. Um, these things just snowball into one problem into the next. So certainly could have all been prevented from the beginning and it was not and now we are here the case will be appealed and is being appealed and possibly will go all the way up to the supreme court Um, the conviction i felt was definitely morally justified i was surprised he was guilty on all three charges i knew he'd be guilty on the manslaughter the manslaughter charge and my concern about and it's not something um, people want to talk about but did he receive a fair trial that's important because if you believe in justice and it doesn't matter what kind of crime and it's such a difficult position to have it really truly is but if you support the justice system and believe in justice you want to make sure somebody does receive 
after a trial. And there are some that don't believe that he did, and it is yet to be determined. So no matter how you feel about a defendant, you want to make sure the person on trial, and if that was you, did in fact receive a fair trial. And the question is, was it murder or was it manslaughter? Um, definitely wasn't first degree murder, we knew that. So seeing the charge come through on second and third was a little bit surprising, like I said. And I do believe it was uh, manslaughter, 100%, absolutely. But the jury is supposed to make a decision on the law, um, a decision on facts. And no one, absolutely no one is going to justify his knee on the neck for nine minutes and 39 seconds. And I think that's what the jury saw. And they came away with... Uh, making that decision was it manslaughter so we'll see what happens when the appeal um, those were questions or issues the jury was supposed to address if we noticed there were no questions about a racism that no evidence was brought forth that this police officer was racist I didn't hear any type of racist argument now I didn't listen to the entire trial but I'm pretty sure um, with many of the reviews in articles that I've read, uh, there were no charges of racism. Um, but was the jury influenced by the threats of intimidation and in that there would be rioting, rioting, sorry, I can't speak, if a conviction on all charges was not rendered? And I think this is where people are having the problem. And there's two sides to this argument. People believe 100% that uh, this charge was justified and there are those who feel that he um, didn't receive a fair trial because the jury was intimidated and the jury was afraid for their lives and we know how it is nowadays Um, you're always you're considered guilty uh, a lot now before a trial and people are doxing you finding your families they're they're threatening your families and it really has changed, and I think a lot of people, I mean, they've always been afraid to be on a jury, but now in such a public world, it's more difficult um, to keep that anonymity, and I do believe the jurors should have been sequestered from the beginning. This way, they would not have been exposed to any of the influence that we're seeing, any of the intimidation that was out there. And I believe that was definitely a terrible mistake made by the judge. Um, But it would probably have been very difficult to find anyone not tainted by this case. Kind of like the OJ trial. Did anybody not know about the about OJ Simpson trial and that murder murder charge? So I'm not sure if it was even possible, but the judge should have probably tried harder. Um, everyone knew that if there was a verdict less than murder, that there would be violence on the streets and the country would be burned down. And we can't be confident that this jury was not tainted by the threat of fear and the threat of violence. And I read a quote by Alan Dershowitz says the jury system is under siege by identity politicians and by people who see the jury system is part and parcel of a referendum on whether there is racial justice in America. And is that what it's come to? If someone is found innocent and they perpetrated the crime uh, with towards someone who doesn't share the same race, then they say 
the system is rigged and America is racist. And that's what it seems like. Uh, it's black and white crime, white and black crime. And if there's a conviction, um, people are divided on sides based on race. And it's actually pretty scary now what's happening in America in, in terms of the racial divide. So we can only see what happened. I, I believe he's going uh, to be sentenced in the next eight weeks or whatnot. I believe he's in uh, solitary confinement, from what I understand, keeping him away from the other prisoners. I, I did have a concern that if he was sent to prison and he was uh, made to interact with the general population, we would find a dead man quite quickly. So I think they're, I, or not I think, I believe they are, they have made the best decision by keeping him isolated until he's officially sentenced. So we'll see what happens there. Now I wanted to talk, uh, moving on to another police shooting that happened this week. There's been uh, quite a few, and this one's a little different. A young lady, 16 years old, Micaiah Bryant, was shot by the police officer. So this is what happened. There was a, at 4.32 p.m., a 911 was called. A male dispatcher received the call from a female caller. And it still remains unclear who actually made that 911 call. Um, the deceased family members are telling the public or the press that she herself summoned law enforcement. Um, we got these grown girls over here trying to fight us, is what the message said. Trying to stab us, trying to put their hands on our grandma, the caller says, as the background filled with female voices screaming and arguing, get here now. So um, that was the 911 call. There was a second call. That one didn't last, last very very long at all. So as the police officers were dispatched, um, Officer Reardon, as he exited his vehicle at 444, so let me remind you, the the first call was made at 432. So this is 12 minutes later. They got there pretty quick. And as he exited his vehicle at 444, within the next 11 seconds, someone's life was changed. Uh, Bryant was seen charging a 20-year-old woman with a kitchen knife and then moving on to 22-year-old Tiana Bonner before Reardon yelled, get down, and fired four consecutive shots into her chest. So this was a young girl. She was 16, going against or beating on a 20-year-old and a 22-year-old woman. She drops and dies later in the hospital. Um, the video is online. It's uh, pretty disturbing to watch, of course. And one of the problems nowadays I find with all of these cameras and social media, it's just heartbreaking for families to see the last moments of their loved ones. Um, it's awful. And um, it's not anything that we would be exposed to previously, but now everything, everybody's got cameras. I mean, the neighbor had a camera on his garage and he caught the entire thing. So it can be very dis disturbing, to say the least. So, But what's interesting about this video, I mean, I should have played it, but 
I'm having technical difficulties here. <laughs> you can see in the video that even with the police, when the police arrive, people are fighting. I, and I don't understand. Usually when you see the cops, okay, if you're speeding or you're driving on a back road or whatnot, you see a cop, you automatically hesitate, slow down. Or even when you're not speeding, you tend to hesitate because you want to make sure you're not even one kilometer over the speed limit, you know. But to watch a group of people continue to fight while the police is there, you know, absolutely no respect for the police, um, no respect for their presence, no respect for their uh, commands. They just keep fighting. And you can see on the right, there's a grown man kicking one of the other women in her head. And nobody's commenting on that. And the cops are standing there. Who kicks up a woman in front of the police? These people are completely out of control. And I don't know how you do that. In the olden days, when a cop shows up, you stand at attention. You stop what you're doing. But if you watch many of these uh, police-type shows, live PD, if you go on YouTube, there's a lot of um, real-time police-type shows that you can watch. And I am quite shocked at how police officers are treated. Just absolutely no respect. The kinds of things they say to them, the names they're called, um, the fighting, the spitting, it's shocking. It's just really shocking to me. You know, where I'm from, if you're from the third world country, you have to respect the police. There is no talking back. I mean, they'll beat you to a pulp there, right? There. I mean, there's uh, the law and order is much different in many of these third world countries, um, communist countries. You know, it's very different than in America, U.S., England. Um, it, it's a position that demands, not requires, it demands respect. So. I'm always really caught off guard when I see how little respect is given to our law enforcement. And that part is sad because I think if there was more respect shown when they're speaking to you, we would probably see a lot less altercations like these ending badly. Respect the cops. I mean, respect, you're, you're supposed to respect the authority, but there we can see this is how our world is heading. I mean, even in the school system, you see... Kids don't respect teachers. Kids don't respect principals. And like I said, when you're growing up, when your principal shows up, everybody is scattering. Nowadays, the principal shows up, people are telling them the F word. (laughs) Spitting on principals. (laughs) It's unbelievable to me the change in attitude and the level of respect that we no longer see. So I think... uh, our societal norms and etiquette has certainly changed and it's affecting how we're interacting with not just law enforcement, with just with anyone in authority and the lack of respect for individuals on an individual basis. So um, I believe this is where we're finding ourselves. It's one of the contributors anyways to where we are today. But let's get back to what happened there with this police officer. He was definitely under extreme pressure and reacted in a manner in which he believed was the best thing to do in that moment. They don't have a lot of time to make a decision. And again, of course, they're trying to use a race car, but it had nothing to do with race. He didn't get up that morning and say, hey, I feel like killing some black person today. That did not happen. 
wasn't sure. I mean, you can see the police officer as he sat down later. You can see he's in absolute distress about what happened. But the question that we have to answer is, was that a crime? It is, is it proper conduct? Is it moral? What happened there? Um, and that is the question that's going to be answered. And we just need to have calm heads, cool hands, and again, ev- evaluate this case and any other case on an individual basis. What should he have done? I'm starting to think that police officers are really not going to want to get involved anymore. You know, they're trying to get home at night to their little ones, um, tuck them in bed like everyone else. It's dangerous out there. This is not policing in the 70s. Policing now has changed. It's dangerous. The drugs, the weapons on the street, the lack of respect, the increase in criminal activity. It's not a fun job. And many of you know, I was almost a police officer once, but I realized I was signing up for the wrong reason. It was very easy for me to get in because they were looking for um, black people and they're looking for black females. And I fill that category. And I backed out because I knew it, was not, it wasn't my calling. It's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to do it, uh, number one, because I was being recruited heavily. So you feel honored by that. Uh, number two was good money. I could definitely use the money at the time. It would have been a great career for me and not have to worry about anything financially and have a great pension. And, you know, you'd be able to retire in my 50s and then start a second career. But I knew I was taking or I would be taking up a spot for somebody who deserved it much more than I did. So I, I totally understand um, the position of police officers and what they face every single day. And I'm worried that we're not going to find enough people to recruit anymore. Um, and they're going to be a lot less uh, interventional and a lot less proactive. You know, having the threat of being suspended, the threat of losing your job, and not just losing your job, but also losing your livelihood. So, you know, losing your job for that department in that city, but then never to be able to work as a police officer ever again. You're losing your livelihood and then possibly ending up in prison. You know, these type of repercussions are not going to encourage police officers to want to respond or recruit new, new police officers. We are treading on dangerous ground here and we need to be careful. Um, in situations like these, again, as I mentioned, very high pressured. We don't have to risk our lives. If somebody's trying to fight somebody over there in the corner and there's a gun or a knife or whatnot, I don't have to intervene. But police officers, they don't have that option. That is what they're hired for, to get involved. Now, absolutely, they, are, they need to protect their lives and those around, but they are required to respond and to think that people are saying, oh, you know, let them think about it a little bit more. Um, let them try and talk, maybe do magic tricks. I have no idea. Let's try and um, distract the perpetrators. It's not as easy as you think. You know what? I challenge those of you who are extremely critical of the police and the job that they do, go for a ride along. 
see what they go through on a daily basis. Have some compassion for what they do. If they didn't react in that situation and the other girl was stabbed and killed, then what would happen then? Now they're going to be even further criticized, saying that they don't care about black lives, right? If it was a white girl, they would have jumped in. So we have to be careful what we wish for. They are damned if they do and damned if they don't. Everyone is an armchair critic. I see the comments out there. I read the articles out there. Um, what they should have done, what you think they should have done. He should have shot her knee. Should have shot her finger on the left-hand side. How about the the third one? Uh, Taser, shoot in the air, shoot on the ground. If you shoot on the ground, that could ricochet and and hit some other innocent bystander. Like, seriously, police officers are taught to shoot at the torso and to disable the danger. That is what they're taught. He was following protocol. And I'm not saying there aren't bad cops out there. There's bad people in every profession. They're bad doctors. Look at, look, if you take a look at the, the rate of doctors, the amount of people that people, uh, amount of people that die at the hands of doctors every year, there's hundreds and thousands of lawsuits over that. They're bad teachers. They're bad cashiers, <laughs> bad photographers, bad ministers. They're in every walk of life, but we can't paint them all with the same brush. They're not trained to shoot at limbs because no one has that degree of accuracy, especially under such duress. Think about it. All these police officers know that they have these body cameras and they know that everybody around them has uh, some sort of recording device. You think they're going to walk up in there and want to and wanna make some erratic decision? knowing that it's being recorded anyways, uh, a decision made on hate, right? No, they're making decisions in that moment, what they think is best with the best outcome. So be careful about the criticism. And I'm not saying they should not be held accountable. We all do. But can you imagine working in a job, you know, just think about what you do and every mistake that you make, every single mistake you make goes viral. Right? People searching where you live, trying to find your children, trying to kill you, trying to get you fired, trying to get you in prison, trying to send you to prison, I should say. Imagine what that feels like. This is not the movies, right? Like I mentioned, no one has a degree of accuracy. Um, it threatens the life of others in the vicinity by a potential errant missed shot. So you're saying, shoot him here, shoot him there, use a taser in the air. Like, hello. It ain't Call of Duty, folks. Um, They are trained to shoot at the center mass, which is the chest, the torso area, so that way they won't miss or less chance of missing. So LeBron's comment of your next, you know, which he posted on Twitter, you know, I find LeBron annoying anyway, so I'm sure people listening to me are LeBron fans, but he's always so arrogant. He does a lot of great things, 100% for the black community. Um... Everything he does is for the black community, you know, for the, the betterment of our of our communities. But I don't like him on an individual basis. He's extremely arrogant and he doesn't wait for the facts. And, you know, he has a lot of followers, so he needs to be a little more responsible. Saying you're next, what does that mean to the police officer posting a picture of the cop? You're next. Does that mean you're next to go to prison or does that mean you're next to die? He quickly deleted it anyways. That officer 
save a young girl's life. I don't see a crime here, LeBron. Somebody died, yes. Um, But he was protecting the life of another black woman. And I don't see a reason to condemn the entire police force. In the case of this officer, again, I don't see that he did anything wrong. Uh Uh-oh, I have to sneeze. Oh, I think I just squeezed it out. (laughs) When I mean squeezed it out, like got rid of the sneeze. Um, My question to you is this. What would you have done? What should he have done? realistically let the other girl get stabbed and die it was clear from the moment the police arrived that there was no respect for authority i mean again like i mentioned men was kicking people were fighting there's no fear of the cops um who does that they have to act quickly maybe coulda shoulda wouldas aren't going to work they have to act on what they see and it was a serious crime did you see the size of that knife she looked like she was about to stab that girl in her head. They caught her. If you watch the video and watch a copy of it in slow motion, if you can, because when it's just whizzing by, you're missing a lot of the detail in that video. So that cop had 11 seconds to react and he was paying attention. Imagine he was seeing all of that happen in real time. How can they protect and serve? Like, think about it. How can they protect and serve in a climate where they can be fired, dogs charged, globally defamed for using force against criminals who try to fight them, kill them, or kill others around them? They are doing their job. And yes, police officers need to be held accountable, but we also need to be responsible and hold that judgment until we have all the facts and understand the situation and not be so quick to say it's racism. Every time a person of color is killed, we say it's racism. As a matter of fact, more whites are killed by police officers than blacks, believe it or not. We want them to act like therapists, like, excuse me, you know, excuse me, you're holding a knife there. Um, Excuse me, young man with the gun, would you mind putting it down? play some scrabble it it doesn't operate like that on the street we're expecting them to be teachers and you know flashlight cops in dangerous situations america has some very dangerous cities they're in dangerous situations all the time and they can't protect and serve anyone under such ridiculous and unrealistic expectation if a non-white person a police officer, sorry, in a situation with a, uh, a person who's not white person of color and doesn't end with the police officer kissing the criminal, criminal's feet, then there's a riot. It doesn't even matter what the case is. It doesn't matter. Now it seems as if it doesn't matter if they're protecting another person of color. We're just going to riot. We're just going to burn the city down, burn all the businesses, um, you know, do whatever we want because we're not happy and we don't care as long as it's a person the person is black that's all we care about that is that is the the category that matters that's how we're judging solely based on color Um, each case needs to be seen individually it's not the Chauvin case it's a completely different case what he did cannot be justified obviously under any circumstances this is Chauvin what he did was wrong but we must not generalize we cannot assume it just leads us down that rabbit hole a bigotry and i don't know how people can't see this i see it clearly 
I can see clearly now the rain is soon. I can see it so clear, but I find so many people have a difficult time accepting this as true. The entire world is not just filled with bigots. Everybody doesn't make decisions based on race. Actually, most people do not. Just look at each person on an individual basis. Let's get the facts. As Ben Shapiro would say, um, the facts don't care about your feelings. Let's just get out of the field and focus on the situation and at hand and try to have an open mind. I'm very concerned about this self-destructive movement I'm seeing that will collapse as street crime hits these defenseless businesses and marginalized striving neighborhoods because no one's going to want to live there um businesses investors won't want to invest in business in these neighborhoods because there's going to be an increase in crime cops are going to be fearful of being labeled as racist brutal and they will inevitably inevitably pull back the racial divide will deepen and who you gonna call bro who you gonna call who's gonna come you can hate them all you want, but when you dial that 911 or if you're on the street and you flag one down, they are going to stop. And I've said this before and I get hate when I say it, but I think we're heading in a direction that we're only going to have to see black cops respond to black neighborhoods, Hispanic cops respond to Hispanic neighborhoods. It's a sad commentary on the current state of affairs. And maybe that's what's going to have to happen. We're going to have to divide police force based on race. Uh, But they have an obligation to preserve the lives of people. And they also have an obligation to preserve their own lives. So you're not in that moment. The level of fear, um, the nerves. But they are trained. They are trained. And as I mentioned earlier, go for a drive along. See what it's like out there. They have some simulation type situations that people who have been very critical of the police that they've tried out these simulation type tests and they have failed. <laughs> they killed everybody they saw. <laughs> everybody was dead. So we think it's easy, but it isn't. Let's show some compassion. Let's show some composure. Let's wait for the facts. Let's not run to racism every single time. Because it doesn't make sense every single time. I'm not saying you have cops who are going to be individually racist. Doesn't, and it's not just cops. They're everywhere. We all discriminate. I discriminate. Everybody discriminates. Every single. If you're honest with yourself, every, every single person has a preference of some sort. Every single person has some type of um, propensity to discriminate. We're all guilty of it. But let's just take each case based on the facts. That's all I have for today. Hopefully this recorded. Matchless Father, join me in prayer here. I declare peace and joy in the hearts of your people. I proclaim that you will bless your children and will keep them. I pray that you will make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. I pray against the plans of the adversary to steal joy and peace from your people. So much fear and worry in this world, disease and death, uncertainty. I declare that your children will remain uplifted, for there is no one who can lift a soul like you. We may not understand your your ways, dear Lord, but we accept them. Amen.
Ciao for now. Arrivederci. Au revoir. And in the meantime, until next time, don't be afraid to stand out and stand up for something or you will end up falling for anything. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, like this podcast, and uh, give me a rating. (laughs) Thanks, guys.